meets us in here. Really? Oh, yes. I definitely need to come. <laughs> yes. I need to find a way. Um, <laughs> no, we, we don't know how good we have it, right, in this place. And the Lord, I mean, yeah, we're a little bit like the frog in the kettle, meaning we're in here enough that sometimes we don't always feel it, but that's okay. We, we can see as people come in who aren't here, very much, and they come in and they get blasted by the Lord, <laughs> right? Because there's an open heaven here, and there's been a contending with many hours of prayer for almost 15 years, you know, to open up the heavens, push back demonic powers and principalities and contend for the presence of God and that is what we have in our midst it's like you have authority yeah is that what it is? there's authority but it's beyond authority there's a portal it feels like that there's a portal <laughs> here like a there's a portal to the heavenlies you know <laughs> because what happens in the second heavens is there's there's demonic powers and principalities that rule and reign over our region they're territorial they have assignments and um, they sit there, <laughs> and they block our prayers. And this is why we need 24 hours a day, seven days a week, prayer ascending, right? Because when there is a constant bombardment, think about it. The enemy is constantly accusing us before the Lord day and night. That is scriptural. The accuser of our souls is day and night accusing us before God, right? So how much do we need to be praying? <laughs> 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? Because he's going that much. And um, with that constant bombardment, it starts to push back over our region, our 50 mile radius, or whatever the Lord says, we pray for 50 miles, but it begins to push back the powers and principalities over the second heavens, right? And that's why people come in here and go, oh, I can breathe in here, yeah. you know? And, I, and I, I don't know how big our radius actually is. Is it just this room? Maybe, I don't know, I think it's bigger. <laughs> Right? I don't know, but you don't always feel the Lord like an open heaven in the city, you know? But as the powers and principalities get pushed back, that's why in revivals of old, right, they talked about coming into the God zone, right? There was, I mean, there's, this has happened in all the revivals that I've read about, you know? Um, let's just take one, for example, the Cane Ridge revival in Kentucky, back in the, what it, one of the Great Awakenings, right? The second one, I think. But people talked about how there was such a presence of God, such a God zone in a certain region where the Lord was pouring out His Spirit, an open heaven, a portal, right? That horses, people on horses, riding horses, 
the minute they crossed over that demarcation, the horse and rider would get slain in the spirit. Because the presence of God was so strong. Wow. Yeah, and so and people would get they would get cut to the heart and take another Evan Roberts in Wales, right? There was such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit all over Wales, such that the entire region, the whole city, really got immersed. Right? There was a portal that happened. There was so much prayer going on in Wales. It was night and day. And the reason why it went night and day, they weren't trying to necessarily do that, but the Lord came and they were convicted and they, the churches were open. Churches were open for prayer all over. And so people would go into church to just be before God and pray because their heart was cut with the Spirit of God. Conviction of sin was coming down in that region. And, and p- unbelievers... We're going to the police station saying, I need, to rep- I need to tell about my sin to somebody. I need to repent of my sin. They didn't even know how to get saved, but they knew my conscience isn't okay. And so they were actually going to the police station confessing things. Wow. <laughs> you know? Because that their heart was cut, and they're like, we don't even know. They didn't know how to deal with that, right? Wow. Um you know, stories get told in Wales that the prisons were emptied, you know, the churches were full and churches were going around the clock, not because they were trying to have a prayer meeting or build that night and day, they were just showing up. So they were showing up and it would go, and at times an evangelist would come into town, preach the gospel, thousands would get saved or hundreds and then they would just go right back into prayer because it was prayer. People were just showing up and being in prayer. And Evan Roberts was okay with not having someone up in front leading all the time. And he even kind of taught that. He's like, the Lord is leading. And when there's an anointing for someone to come in and preach, we'll let them preach. But he wasn't going to get up there and just preach something because to kind of fill in, you know, the empty space or this silence is uncomfortable or, you know, whatever else, right? We always always want to kind of help God. (laughs) But he's like, no, we can just be, we can just sit before him. And there was also um, teenagers in that revival, in the Wales revival, that... And I I wish I knew more about this because I don't think there's that much documented on it. But there's a little documented. They were singers. And when they would get up to sing, and I don't know how they were doing this, if it was hymns, if it was spontaneous, if it was Bible. But these teenagers, when they would get up to sing, the Holy Spirit would come in a dramatic way. And, And it just, we were talking about that in the, you know, when we were having messages on revival, Jason was teaching on that because you can't underestimate what we're doing in this room when we're teaching, you know, young people how to sing the scriptures, right? I believe that there was something cultivated in those teenagers long before they got up on a stage and did that. You know, he was getting them in prayer meetings. 
something was going on where they had cultivated the spirit of prayer on them as they sang. So it was like a harp and bowl going on, you know, and it had been cultivated so that when they did get up in front of people, boom, the Lord, the Holy Spirit came in such power. And, and they would all weep seeing these young people singing to God like that with that anointing on them. It was so powerful. So what we're doing in this room is like that. And we don't even know what we carry. We really don't even know how pressed down, shaken, and overflowing we are getting on the inside, right? Just by coming in here and doing what we do, you know? We don't even know how much we're getting of the Lord. And, and if the Lord chooses at some point to put some of us on a platform and go, yeah, that thing you do in the house of prayer, how you sing the scripture, do that now. Whoa, you know? And we've only seen a little bit of that happen in the world. Because I remember, like, um, it was in Texas when that one guy was running for presidential office. Who was it? Anyways. Yeah, Rick Perry. Perry, right? And he's like, let's have a prayer meeting. And he invited leaders from Kansas City Prayer Room to come. They're like, you guys do this all the time. Would you come and lead this prayer meeting? Because we want to pray for the nation. You know, that's the, one of the first times I've seen it in such a public arena, you know, where it was really political. You know, they were doing a political rally and he was saying, let's have a prayer meeting. And leaders from Kansas City got up on the stage and did what they always do. Day in and day out, and they led a prayer meeting. And people were just weeping and weeping. You know? And I was like, that is just like a little example of what's coming. You know? Because there's a reason why he is raising up prayer. Connie prayed it today out of Malachi 1.11. In every place, incense will go up and it will be a pure offering. In every place. We're not even close to that, right? We're just at the beginnings of the beginnings. Because if people are looking for a house of prayer, they're like, you know, on the internet, where can I find one near me? And sometimes they have to drive a bit to get to one. That's not every place, (laughs) you know? For the Bay Area, being how many millions of people live in the Bay Area, we need many more houses of prayer. Many, many more. Honestly, I don't, there's not very many of them. There's East Bay Prayer Furnace. <laughs> We've been going almost 15 years. And there's a few other small ones out there. But um, we need many, many, many more houses of prayer. And so that's why we can't be surprised when God says, okay, you go start one, you know? So get ready. ready. Holy Spirit might say that to you. And um, I know I tell the Lord, I say, whatever you say now, I'll do it. Yeah. Oh, no. What am I praying? Yeah, I know that prayer. We start to. Yeah. If the Lord sends me away, the Lord told me, he's like, Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is the beginning. I, 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 I,
I want to dwell with my people. And so that is why it's so dear to his heart and so special. And that's why he says, this is a man after my heart. And this is why he says, I'm going to raise up the tabernacle of David. And I'm going to raise it up from its fallen ruins. You know, this is New Testament, right? Quoted, you know, Amos chapter 9, but it's quoted in, I think, Luke, whatever. Acts 15. Thank you. <laughs> that the tabernacle of David will be raised up in the last days. That's what he's doing. He's raising up tabernacles of David where the incense, the presence of God. Nori was reflecting last week how it looked like there was a cloud in here. You know? It was looking kind of misty to me, but I was like, maybe my contacts are cloudy. You know? I don't know. But... You know, just the presence of God, you know? So we can't underestimate, you know, what he is doing among us and what he might call us to do in obedience. And when he does call us to do things like go plant a house of prayer, that's that's actually it's a pretty scary call. (laughs) You know, he might call some of us to do that. And, you know, he'll take the little weak one, but it's like what he requires of us is us depending on him. And if we depend on him, he can do anything with us. You know, he can't do much with us if we're, if we're thinking, I got this. You know, if we're kind of full of ourselves, (laughs) which mostly we are most of the time, (laughs) then he's like, I can't really use you. But if we're like, oh God, you know, help. I have nothing apart from you. I can do nothing. He's like, that's exactly where you need to be. Because when we, you know, Song of Solomon chapter 8, right? That's the full mature bride after she's gone through the two dark nights and been through all this stuff with him. And she comes at the end, she comes out leaning on her beloved. She comes out totally submitted, docile, leaning on her beloved, like, it's all you, Lord. I can't do it, but you can. I'm leaning on you. And so that's the place of full maturity in Christ, is that place of full docility and yieldedness to the Lord and to his workings in our life in the Holy Spirit. Like, that's what he's after. So, um, there's so many scriptures on this. um, And they just go through my head all the time. And that's why, you know, even like on our Saturday nights, why I wanted to do a series on the Holy Spirit and, and have it be a little bit different than maybe anything we've heard on the Holy Spirit. Because most messages I hear on the Holy Spirit are kind of like, Look at all the cool things he could do. He can heal the sick, you know, raise the dead, do, you know, we want the anointing, which we do, but it's so much more than that. The Holy Spirit wants his, I would say his main work is the work he does in our inside to conform us to the image of Christ, to form Christ in us so that we become like Christ to our neighbor. Christ to the world so he wants to replicate Christ 
He wants to go, Amy Knight, I want to replicate Christ in you. So that what's coming out is that Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. He wants to replicate Christ. Like if we actually get around that and think about what that really means, the mystery of the life of Christ in all of its majesty and glory and beauty and how he walked the earth, that's what he wants to do in us. The mystery of Christ manifest. That's what he wants to do. He's like, I want to not just anoint you to do something, not just give you power to do something. I want to actually change you so that you are looking like my son in every way. It's dramatic, you know. It's a huge thing. And we don't often, because it's so lofty, we don't often think about it. That's why these scriptures that we pray day in and day out, they honestly do not make sense to us until we get around what this is. You know, Ephesians chapter 3, this prayer that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, right? To be strengthened with might in the inner man. Why do we need to be strengthened? Because Christ is going to dwell on the inside of us. That is weighty. We need a lot of strength to carry Christ in us like that. That you being rooted and grounded in his love, right? Would be able to comprehend the heights, the depths, the widths, and the lengths. What he did on the cross, the heights, the depths, the widths, and the lengths, that we would know the love of God. And then it says that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. What? How can this body be filled with the fullness of God? How can my weak, sinful frame be filled with the fullness of God? It's a very lofty work. We need a lot of divine might, strength on the inside to bear the weight of Christ on the inside of us. It's really, really holy. It's really, really lofty. And it's so magnificent that we read that verse and we don't get it. And so we read it right by. We just keep going. Let's read the rest of the chapter. (laughs) Because it's too much for us. We don't get it. Um... But that's why I go through these same scriptures every day, Revelation 5, 6, because this all has to do with that same thing. The seven spirits of God sent out to the earth. And so I'm running out of time, but this is in the context of building house of prayer. And the reason why I know that it's in the context is because of Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. These seven search to and fro throughout the whole earth that he might strongly support, that is, strengthen with divine might, those whose hearts are given over to him. What does that mean? Over to his plan to build the house of prayer, which is the context of Zechariah chapter 4. You mean like when you say giving over your hearts, that means like you're all in? Like all you're in. Like, okay, you're like, okay, God, I surrender my dreams. Yep. You everything. That's what that means. You're all in, but you're not just all in for God, whatever you want to do. You're all into God, what do you want to do? 
Yes. His plan, what do you mean? right? Not your plan. His plan. Yeah. And his mm-hmm. plan, Zechariah chapter 4, is to build house of prayer in every place. Malachi 111, Zechariah chapter 4, Isaiah 62, Luke 18. There's so many scriptures on this, but Zechariah 4 is the context. These seven eyes rejoice to see the plumb line, vertical line. The vertical line is our relationship with God. He rejoices to see the beginnings of that plumb line. That is the places where first commandment is in first place. We love God first. The vertical relationship has to come first. I rejoice to see the plumb line. The plumb line is a vertical line in construction that you have to get vertical before you build a building or it will not be a good building. It will come down. If you don't have that vertical line in place, your whole foundation is off. It's called a plumb line. I don't understand that. Well, in construction, they have to get the vertical line before they can do anything else to build a building. It's called a plumb line. And they, they mark it. They have this thing. It's, you know, it's a tool. It's a string, yeah. If you want to build a house with everything crooked, it's got to, for gravity's sake, it needs to be plumb. Right. So the plumb line he, for us is the Lord and our vertical relationship with Him. That's the plumb line. That is the, if we don't have that first, if we don't have first commandment, loving God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, we cannot love our neighbor well. The whole house will be off. We have to have first commandment in first place, which is why we have a room to focus on the first thing, the vertical plumb line. And that's why, I mean, frankly, the church at large is in trouble because we don't have the plumb line very well, right? Many places, they're trying to do second commandment, but they don't have first commandment in place. They don't have the night and day prayer. They don't have the, let's minister to the Lord first and get his plan in us so that we can then execute his plan, They just think to themselves, I got this, God. I know what your plan is. We know how to do church. In fact, most churches do church without God. Because they have their own, they have an agenda, and they're like, God, this is, you know what that's like? It's the difference between the offering of Cain and Abel. With Cain, he had the work of his own hands. He, He gardened. He did his own work. And he said, here, God, bless what I've done for you. And the Lord's like, I don't want that offering. I like what Abel's giving me, the sacrifice, the blood. Abel offered the sacrifice. That was a view of Jesus coming, the cross. He goes, I don't want your best work. I want my son. That's what gives me pleasure. And so I want you to look like my son I want you to be transformed into his likeness so much that when I see you, I see my son. That's what brings me pleasure. That's what brings me pleasure. And so the other is like an abomination to him. He's like, I don't want that. Don't give me your fleshy work. Ouch, you know, because we've all done that. like I want the blood I want my son my son is whom gives me pleasure he says this is my son and whom gives me great pleasure listen to him you know 
over and over when Jesus, like when he got baptized, this is my son who is well-pleasing to me. So that's what he wants to do in us. He wants to look at us and see his son. And that only happens through the cross. We need the blood. We need the blood to cover us so much that when he sees us, he sees his son. And we need to be so docile to him, so yielded, so submitted, that we're like, yes, Lord, to your plan. What is your plan? So, Zachary. We don't care about your plan. Right. We give up on our own agenda. And that's why, and there's, you know, four major scriptures that I put together. If you want to jot them down and look them over, because this is super important, and I'll wrap it up. But these scriptures go together. It's, it's Revelation 5, 6. Revelation 5, 6. It's Second Chronicles 16, 9. Or is it First Chronicles? Is it second, second or first? Let me just look real quick. Um, yeah, Second Chronicles sixteen nine. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those hearts that are given over to Him. Then it's Zechariah four ten. These seven, these seven eyes rejoice to see the plumb line in the hands of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which search to and fro throughout the whole earth. That's, he's speaking that in context to building the house of prayer. That's what's happening in Zechariah chapter 4. They're trying to build the temple, which is the house of prayer. That's what it's called in scripture, the house of prayer. And um, Isaiah 11, verse 2. What are the seven spirits of God? Isaiah eleven two gives them to you. The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, revelation, counsel, might, knowledge of God, fear of the Lord. So these seven, that's why I love Revelation 5, 6, because it says they don't just look, they send out. They're They're the seven spirits sent out. Who's going to receive of those seven spirits? Those who are looking at him, beholding him. Those who are building House of Prayer, his plan, he's going to strengthen them to do his plan, and he's going to impart of himself the seven spirits of God. And that's what the fullness is. Bye, Nori. The fullness of God's in, in Ephesians chapter 3, it's when we fully receive of God's character traits that he's sending out in Isaiah eleven two, spirit of wisdom, Revelation, counsel, might, knowledge of God, fear of the Lord. We receive of that in this room every day when we come in and do what we do. And that's why I pray it over and over and over and over and over. Because I want us to get this. I think it's the most important thing I've ever seen in scripture before. Because it lines us up, plumb line, with his will. His will is, Malachi 1.11, in every place incense will go up and a pure offering. I want prayer to go global. Why? Because from the garden, from Genesis chapter 1 and 2, when he created man and woman, he wanted to be with them. 
That's his whole plan. At the end of the book, Revelation 21, is it 22, 21? At the end, <laughs> right? What's happening? God is dwelling with man. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. You see it in the garden at the beginning. You see it at the end of the book. Behold, God is with man. God wants to dwell with man. That is the main point of the whole Bible. That's the whole point of the cross because we screwed up and sinned. He's like, no, I'm not giving up on this idea that I have that I love you so much. I'm going to actually incarnate myself in my son to pay this price to have you back so that I can dwell with you. So this is what it's all about. And if we can get in this place, receive of his sevenfold spirit, let him strengthen us so much that we become like Christ. You know, receiving of his character traits. We're receiving a fullness. That's a definition of fullness. When we read Ephesians 3 and go, I have no idea. How am I going to be filled with the fullness of God? Well, this is it. Isaiah 11, 2. Revelation 5, 6. These four verses. Zechariah 4, 10. And 2 Chronicles 16, 9. Those four verses together explain what's happening. For us to receive fullness. We're receiving of God himself. And he's infusing his character traits into us. That's why I say receive it, spirit of revelation. Receive it, spirit of counsel, spirit of might. Let it go into you. This is what he wants to do. And this is what he is doing. Right? And so that is, that is it. That's what we're doing in here. And that's what he wants. And that's what he's looking for in his church. That's why we're forerunners, right? Because a forerunner is just one step ahead, right, of everybody else. He wants to do this in the whole church. Because his church is called a house of prayer for all nations. Bill Johnson talked about pioneers a couple years ago. Yeah. Pioneers. That's what we are. In doing the house of prayer... We're doing it before it's popular. But one day, it will cover the earth. The presence of God will cover the globe as the waters cover the sea. And it will be prayer, incense, rising up to him in every place. And a pure offering. A pure offering. Not an offering like Cain going, Lord, receive what I did for you. Lord's it's like, no. I want my son manifest you know and so that is what he's after and it's uh, holy anyway so I'm gonna um, pray and then if any of you have anything to share I'll open it up but Lord we just thank you for your word God which spells it out in so many verses what you want you want to dwell with us you love us you want a family you want our hearts you want all of us you want us so badly you sent your son 
And this is your plan from all ages, from all time. It's a love story. It is a deep and dramatic love story. And Lord, I just pray, God, that we can receive it. We can receive of the fullness that Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith, that we would truly be rooted and grounded in you, and we would manifest the fullness of Christ as if you yourself were walking on the earth. We become your hands, your feet, your mouth. We walk on the earth carrying Christ. Let us get it, Lord. I pray that we could get it and believe it. And that we would be forerunners, Lord, so that when you call us to speak or sing or talk to some person, what's in us, what you've cultivated in us, would become manifest and would shift that person, that situation, that meeting. Christ in the earth. Imagine millions of those who are walking, carrying Christ in fullness manifest in the earth. This is what you want to do. You want to have many little Christs. <laughs> Let it be, Lord. Not by our will or strength or power or might, but by yours. Because it's not by might that I cry for. It's not by power, but it's by your spirit. This is how it happens. Thank you, Lord. I pray that these words would go deep into us and would take root. In Jesus' name, amen.